Good morning. Good to see each of you today. Let's all stand together this morning as we begin our worship with Love Lifted Me. Sorry, got it. I got it. On you're pointing at who? Video. Y'all watch this video, then I'll tell you all that I need to tell you. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and watch this.
Good morning. It's good to see you. Hey, thank you for reminding me of that, guys. And Brandon told me that like 25 seconds before I walked up here, and I still forgot it. Uh, but it's good to see you guys today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, especially want to welcome those of you that are our guests. Thank you for being a part of our worship service today. It's good to see you. Uh, want to welcome Josh as our guest uh, worship leader today, Josh McCrary. And we appreciate him being here to lead us in worship. Uh, appreciate his son uh, being here. Where did Braden go? Did he, is he hiding somewhere? Oh, he's hanging out with Lucas. Dude, that'll get you in more trouble than you know how to get out of. <laughs> the truth shall set you free. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm Lucas is a good kid. But uh, glad you're here today. Good to have them with us and appreciate them being willing to come and lead us as we worship together today. I hope you picked up a bulletin on the way in. Uh, if you did, then you'll know why I'm kind of scattered brain today, because baby news is the new grandbaby's here, so that kind of puts me in one of those things. Uh, but we hope that you will read all the announcements there, be aware of everything that's going on. Uh, I think today, with you guys, makes our fourth baby shower in about a month and a half. But now, see, y'all count double because you're having twins. <laughs> It's good to see Ross and Aaron here. We're, we're excited about these babies now. I want to tell you, um, Grandpa and Grandma are excited too. I can promise you that. But uh, we are, we're excited. I, I like having baby showers. I'd rather have them than funerals any day. You know that? Uh, I, I just, we'll, we'll have one every week if y'all want to, but somebody's going to have to keep getting pregnant, and it ain't going to be us, okay? Uh, so that's your job. Go do and be multiply and... Be fruitful and all that good stuff, okay? One announcement that's in here that I do want to call your attention to uh, is the meeting that's coming up on Tuesday, March 7th, this Tuesday night. Uh, that is a, a meeting for anyone and everyone. I think the words I heard was from 8 to 80. Blind, crippled, or crazy. Blind, crippled, or crazy. So he's wanting everybody who can and will to come we have uh, we got a lot of building projects that are going to be going on uh, in the days ahead, things that need to be done that uh, we need to get uh, upgraded and, and refreshed and stuff like that. So we need all the hands we can get. So if you're willing to do that, um, then please be with us Tuesday, March the 7th at 630. Uh, and Jimmy will be leading you through a discussion of all that needs to be done. And you can, just, you can let us know how... Uh, God might can use you to help us in those areas. Again, it's good to see you here today. Uh, we want to just uh, take a moment to pray together, pray for those of our church, our community that are, that are sick. Uh, we also want to just take a moment just to give this time uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. This, is, this time we're here right now, it's all about Him. Uh, it's not about us. Uh, it's not even about what we get out of it. It's about what we put into it. Because we're here to worship Him. And so uh, as we pray, I want to ask you just to quiet your spirit, quiet your heart, and take a moment just to, to let the Lord Jesus take control of your mind, your heart, your spirit, and control of our service. Let's pray together. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord on this Lord's day. How good it is to be able to come together with friends and neighbors and family members and maybe even some people we're meeting for the first time 
and to join our, our voices together as one voice to proclaim the glory of our God and the majesty of our Savior. How good it is to be able to encourage one another, not just with a, a handshake or a smile, but by just being able to pray together and pray for one another. Lord, what a, what a privilege it is to be in this house of worship on this Lord's Day. Remind us that not a single one of us is here by accident. That long before this day was ever placed upon a calendar, Lord, you knew exactly who would be here, what each of us would be coming from. and You knew the burdens we would be bearing. You, you understood completely and totally what we needed in order to be refreshed and renewed so that our worship could rise into your presence. And so, Lord, since we're all here by divine appointment, since we're all here uh, because you have ordained it to be so, I just pray, oh God, that you speak to our hearts, that as we, we open our hearts and minds toward heaven, as we sing together, as we study your word together, that, Lord, you, as you minister to us, we will worship you. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all glory. You are worthy of all majesty. You are the Savior. And today we lift you up. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand once more as we continue our worship. And my goal is to have each of us proclaiming as we go out that door this morning that all my hope is in Jesus.
we sing this. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of
goodness this morning as they come up do one thing for me without the instruments sing that chorus one more time just God is so good something about that chorus so simple so simple words God is so good sing that for us God Brother Curly prays, if we got any kids that need to go to kids' church, would you slip out and make your way back toward the, the doors back there? You may have already done it because the preacher forgot to announce it. Uh, but if you haven't yet, if you'll make your way back there to kids' church, that'd be great. Thank you. Here you go, Brother Curly. Well, I finally made it. Good morning to you, and let us pray to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his Father. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning thanking you for all the blessings you have given to us. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for, for you sent John the Baptist to precede you, that you may give, that through your death salvation was implanted in us. We thank you for the contributions that have been made this morning. May they be used to the ongoing of your kingdom. For we pray this in the sweet, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Understand it. Why life always happens like it does. And even though I know we're only here for a while, how come it never seems like long enough? And I don't know just when. My time is coming But still I know God has a plan for me And I don't know what leaving looks like But I know this You won't have to wonder where I'll be Cause I know I'll be there In that place where Jesus promised He would prepare It's beyond imagination All the glories we will share And I know I'll be there 
What kind of mansion God's preparing But streets of gold I know I'm gonna find And all the pain and suffering That comes in this life It won't be long I'll leave it all Josh, it's so good to have you with us today, and um, appreciate him being willing to come, him and his son, and uh, be a part of our service today and, and lead us as we worship together. Man, I like that. I'll be there. Now, I can say that emphatically. There's, there's some things that I have to put question marks behind when I say it, but that isn't one of them. Uh, I can say, I'm going to lose weight. I better put a question mark behind that. Uh, I can say I'm going to cut back on ice cream. I definitely got to put a question mark behind that. But to know that I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity, whether He comes and takes me by death or by His return, I can say with all certainty I'll be there. I hope you can too because, you see, that's where the hope of this life comes from. Uh, That's where we find strength to keep going. That's where we find the peace to face whatever life may throw our way is when we know beyond a shadow of a doubt we're saved by grace, washed in the blood, that we have repented of our sins and turned to Jesus Christ for salvation. I invite you to join me in the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Today we've been, we're asking a question as we have every Sunday through this series. Excuse me. Uh, we're asking a question. And today's question is, what do we need? Now, we'll explain a little bit more about that and how we answer that as we go through this chapter. 
But I want us to read the first nine verses, or excuse me, first six verses together. Uh, because encapsulated in those first six verses is some of the most important information uh, that we can glean out of the experiences of Nehemiah. So let's look at that together. Chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1, And all the people gathered as one person at the public square, which was in the front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen and understand on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the public square, which is in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women who could understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which had been made for that purpose and beside him stood all these different men that that played a significant part in the life of Israel and then verse 5 says then Israel opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people and when he opened it all the people stood up then Ezra blessed the Lord the great God and all the people answered amen amen with the raising of their hands Then they kneeled down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Let's pray together. Father God, again, thank you for the privilege that is ours to be in this house of worship. Thank you for allowing us to be able to sing of the great gospel message in song today. And now, Lord, what an honor and privilege it is to be be able to open the inerrant, the infallible, the inspired, the authoritative word of God and to be able to study from these pages. And how I pray, O Lord, that as we have gathered around your word today that the Holy Spirit of God who, who moved upon the heart, the mind, the hand of Nehemiah as he wrote these accounts will now move upon our heart. That Lord, when we leave here, we'll be, have done so much more than just had a, a Bible study or a Bible lesson or heard another sermon. But that when we walk out of here today, that the, the word of God will have transformed and impacted our individual lives. That, Lord, will never be the same because we were confronted and because we were taught the Word of God today. Lord Jesus, we love you. We ask you to guide us is our prayer. Amen. It's been a long time coming, but the temple has now been reconstructed and the wall has been repaired. All the damage that was caused, or most of it, that was caused by Israel's rebellion against God and God allowing these armies, foreign nations, to come in and raid and to capture the people of Israel, to destroy the city walls of Jerusalem, to destroy the temple. All of the effects of what had happened in the past with Israel's rejection of, of, of God has, has, has kind of been righted. God has led different people at different times in different ways to come back together to this city that is so special, Jerusalem. And and so the walls have been rebuilt. The temple has been reconstructed. And it would seem that, uh, that naturally there would be some kind of normalcy that would settle over the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The crisis, for the most part, is behind them. 
They're not having to walk around rubble anymore. They're not having to look at the ruins of the temple any longer. You would think that now normalcy would start to settle in. But can I say herein lies the danger. Because if they were to return to the attitude and the way of life they had before the city was destroyed, then they were destined to make the same mistake again. You see, here's, here's the issue. You, you'll remember, those of you that uh, were, were able to do so on, on 2001, September the 11th, when the planes crashed into the separate towers, the North Tower and the South Tower, and they collapsed. As the plane was, was, was crashing into the field in Pennsylvania, as, as even the Pentagon itself was being penetrated by a missile that was none other than an airliner, the world was thrown into shock. And as Americans, we were, we were brought to a place we have not been before. We were afraid for our future. We were afraid of what would happen next. We, we saw it on TV every day, the results of that attack. We saw the, the plumes of smoke and dust as it, as it filled the streets of New York. We, we watched the crater as people gathered around it in Pennsylvania. We saw the smoke and the fire from the Pentagon and we knew that the world had changed that day. Something was different. And I don't know about this church where I was serving at the time in in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I can tell you that the very next Sunday, pretty much every church was full. People that had not been to church in a long time suddenly found the need to be comforted by the Word of God and and being able to sing and be around the people of God. and, 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 And the churches were filled. And I believe there were commitments made and things that happened as a result of 9-11 that God is still using and God has blessed. But for the most part, we've just gone back to business as usual. That's a distant memory now. That, that rubble at Ground Zero is no longer there. It's a beautiful uh, monument to those who lost their lives there. The, the, the ground there in Pennsylvania has a, a beautiful memorial that's set up there where you can visit it, but not so much the plane wreckage and all of the debris. You, you can go to the Pentagon the day. You won't find the hole in the wall. You won't see the smoke rising. And it's just business as usual. You see, there's danger in that. You see, the problem with human reasoning is this. We keep thinking we can do the same thing over and over again, but achieve different results every time. We keep thinking that for some reason that... that we can always go back to, to what was, thinking that we'll get a, a different future out of it than the one we have. Many just continue to repeat the mistakes of the past without ever learning from those mistakes. The question that these 50,000 Jews that are living in Jerusalem, the question they have to answer is this, what do we need to do in order to keep the, the, the things from the past repeating again in the future. How, what, what needs to be different now that the temple's rebuilt, the wall's rebuilt, the, the people are returning back to the city? What needs to be different now than it was before we were attacked and taken 
captive. Can I, can I tell you the answer is, is, is really, really simple, but it's very, very costly. The answer is spiritual revival. Something needed to change, not in just their everyday life, not in just the way they carried out their daily duties and, and, and the, what they, they did or didn't do on any given day. What needed to change was their, their, their view, their relationship, their, their connection with the God that, that, that called them out and called them by name and made them His special people. Something needed to change. And spiritual revival was the only thing that could possibly keep the past from being repeated again. There's three things that they needed. And I submit to you today, it's the same three things that we need at First Baptist Church of Locust. It's the same thing that the church down the street needs. And it's the same thing as the church across the county needs. And it's the same thing as the church on the other side of the world that is an evangelical church meeting on their day of worship. It's the same thing they need. So it's not, just, it's not just specific to our one little congregation, but at the same time, it is specific to our one little congregation. So what is it that they need? The first thing I want you to see is in that very first verse that they needed unity. In verse number 1, the Bible says, And all the people, I tried to get the, the youth today to define a word for me. I, I tried to get them to define the word all. What does that mean, all? We were talking about all Scripture is inspired of God. And, and I asked them, I said, what does it mean, all? And they said, and the answer was obvious. It means everything. It means it, there's no exclusions, no exceptions, all. All the people gathered as one person at the public square which is in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Chapter 7 closed by telling us, and Brandon did an amazing job last year, uh, last year, last week, handling that man. I, I want to tell you, you did an amazing job handling that. But we saw last week, at the close of chapter 7, there's, there's about 50,000 people living in Jerusalem now. Approximately 50,000 people living in this city. Some of them had returned with Ezra. Some of them had returned to Jerusalem with Nehemiah. Some had returned on their own. Others never left. But yet here in this city are 50,000 people. It's a hodgepodge of people. They have different backgrounds, different experiences, different likes and dislikes. So unity, you would think, could be really difficult due to these differences. Now think about it for just a moment. And, and we talked about this also in, in, our, in our, our class today with the youth. And, you know, we had eight people in that room. And if, if we had to try to discuss where we were going to go eat lunch today, odds are out of the eight people in that room, we would have not come to a consensus of the one place that everybody wanted to go and eat that kind of food. Eight people. But yet, look what God is doing here. As He has brought these people back to Jerusalem, He's enabled them, empowered them, and protected them as they rebuilt their temple. And now as they have reconstructed their wall, they're starting to look like a nation again. They're starting to look like a city again. Things are starting to, to take shape and to take form. 
But the Bible says that in verse number 1, all the people gathered as one man to the square. One man to the square. 50,000 people gathering as one man to the square. They all came to the same place at the same time looking for the same thing. They had to come to a place where they began to recognize their need for spiritual revival. You see, God had accomplished some absolutely amazing things in their midst. They had witnessed firsthand the power and the sovereignty of the God that they worshipped. They had seen His hand moving and working throughout every part of this, this rebuilding process. And now in unity... They come together seeking to grow in their knowledge and their understanding of the God who had made all these things possible. There was something stirred with inside of them that when they came together as one man, 50,000 people, as they gathered as one man, they were, they were all there looking and wanting and desiring and needing the same thing. Now that's only God can do that, by the way. No, I'm sure there were people in that group of the 50,000 people. There, there was probably some that didn't care much for the other one. There was probably somebody that had something against someone else in that 50,000 people. But the one thing that brought them together, one thing that unified them, was they knew they needed something that only God could give. And now in unity, they come together to seek the face of God, to, to grow in their knowledge of God, to grow in their understanding of God. Now, folks, listen to what I'm about to tell you, because this, this I believe, is absolutely a, a, a hinge pin for revival. Revival will never take place amidst division. Revival will only take place when God's people come together. We may not see everything the same way. We may not agree on everything. But the truth is when God's people come together and say, Here, here's what we desire. Here's what brings us together. We, we want to worship the God of heaven. We want to exalt the Christ who is our Savior. We want to know Him. We want to grow in our relationship with Him. We want our life to be transformed. I believe that's what unity really is in the church. So they, they began with a key element. They needed unity and the Bible tells us that they achieved unity. One man, 50,000 strong. For revival to take place, there must be unity. But there's a second thing. It's also found in that very first verse. And that is that there has to be the right priority. There has to be a priority there. Because when those one, those 50,000 people came together as one man, they all wanted the same thing. Did you catch what they wanted? When they gathered at the square, which is in front of the water gate, they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which is the Lord, the one that the Lord had given to Israel. And then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could listen and understand on the first day of the seventh month and he read it to them. There needed to be a priority. It seems everyone was 
unified, not just in, in, in being in the same place at the same time, but they were unified in what they, they needed. Now they needed, now, now they had unity. They needed to understand how that was going to work to make spiritual renewal happen in their life. And with a hunger, and a desire to reconnect with the God of their forefathers. They, they turned to the, the greatest asset and tool that had been given to them and at their disposal. And that was the Word of God. And so with one voice, 50,000 people cried, Bring the book! We don't want to discuss constitution and bylaws. We don't want to discuss uh, budgets. And we don't want to discuss... All these other stuff. Here's what we want. 50,000 people, one voice. Bring the book. We need to hear the voice of God today. Bring the book of the law of Moses. The Pentateuch consisted of five books of the Old Testament, all written by Moses. And in those five uh, writings, God had revealed His power. He had revealed His sovereignty. He had revealed His holiness. He had revealed His plan for His people. He even had, He had even revealed His desire for His people to live in harmonious relationship with Him. He, He knew them well. He wanted them to know Him. He wanted to walk and lock step with each of them. He wanted to be the God that, that, that they looked to for direction. He wanted to be the one that, that, that gave them their, their, their future and their plans and their purpose. He wanted, he, he wanted all that for these people. And now these people are starting to want that from Him. You see, God's holy word was given to us so that we could constantly realign our life with God. That's why we have the Word of God. That's, that's why He gave us the written Word. Because you and I, the Bible says, are like sheep that have all gone astray. We're, we're always wandering off the path. Today I was scattered brain. I was, I'd be talking to one person and saying one thing and then the next thing I know I'm, I'm talking to somebody saying something else and it wasn't that there was a contradiction. It's just that I couldn't remember where I was and what I was doing and who I was talking to. Don't laugh at me. You do the same thing. They needed God to bring them all back together and realign them with His will. You see, in this book, God lets us know everything we need to know. He, he shows us His glory. He shows us His power. He shows us His sovereignty. He shows us His holiness. He shows us His judgment and His wrath. He shows us His love, grace, and mercy. He shows us everything we need to know. He, he, he brings to us the ultimate tool so that when our life begins to, 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 to get off course a little bit and, and when all of the, the constraints of life begin to pull on us and, and get us out of God's will, His Word is always there to say, whoa, 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 back here, back here, come on, over here, right here. This is where you need to be. And they began to understand that only the Word of God could realign their life. And, and there was this growing hunger for the Word of God. The, the Word of God became a priority to them. 
They needed God's holy word. And as the words of God were read, the people were confronted with their rebellion. They were confronted with their sin. They were confronted with the holiness of God. They were confronted with the grace and mercy of God. They they were confronted by God's view of who they were. And they began to understand, now I know why God allowed us to go into exile. Now I understand better why God allowed this city to be destroyed. Now I'm beginning to understand more clearly what happened back there. You see, God had already warned them and had already told them that in the day that you choose to turn away from me and worship other gods, just know that that's going to be a day of judgment for you. And as Ezra stood and began to read those writings of God's Word and those truths were being unveiled and and being recalled and and shared with the people suddenly uh, the truth of who they were and and who God is began to weigh heavy on their hearts and they they felt the the need that something's got to change and it's not that God needs to change to fit me, I need to fit change to fit Him. They began to understand that something had to be realigned. God's holy, inerrant, infallible, and inspired word must become the priority of every person and every church who truly wants spiritual revival in their midst. And once the inhabitants of Jerusalem made God's word a priority, God began to do a mighty work in their lives and in their fellowship. God began to, to, to show his power even more so. We saw that, we see if we, we read through the rest of that chapter, they began to, to reinstate that feast of booths and, and they began to remember how God de- delivered the children of Israel out of, out of bondage and brought them into the promised land and, and they began to recall God's grace and God's power and God's amazing ability ability to, to protect them, they begin to recall all of these things when they were confronted with the Word of God. What's amazing is that some of us will never crack open our Bible except on Sunday and we want to know why God isn't sending revival into our life. Because it's not a priority. Only when I, only when I get into this book do I start to see Myself as who God sees me to be. Yes, I'm sinful. Yes, I'm wretched. Yes, I need His grace. And I need His mercy. But you know what He also tells me? Is that when I've been saved by grace and when I've been given that mercy and I've been washed clean and we sang about it this morning, I've been washed by the blood. All all my sins have been forgiven. You know what He begins to show me then? Is that I am precious in His sight. That Jesus died for me. That He wants me to live for Him. He begins to show me that I have a plan and a purpose in my life that is so much greater than just existing in this world and just showing up for a job and drawing a paycheck he begins to show me that I am part of the kingdom and I am part of the family and he begins to show me that he has a plan for my life so yes I must be confronted and convicted of my sin and my rebellion but I also need that balm of Gilead that binds up the wounds and reminds me that he loved me enough to die for me and that he wants me to be a part of the plan 
The Word of God must be a priority for those who seek revival. They had unity. They had priority. But I want you to see, go down to verse number 6, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I'm actually going to start in verse 5. Then Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With the raising of their hands. Then they kneeled down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You see, they had unity. They had gathered with the, the same priority, but now they needed humility. That's the third thing they needed. You see, so many of us, if we're not careful, we come into a house of worship on any given Sunday. We hear the gospel presented in song. We hear the truth of God proclaimed from the pulpit. And then we turn around and we walk out the door having never been changed by anything that happened that day. We leave the same way we came in. Just as lost if we haven't received Christ. Just as burdened even if we have. There's no no transformation. We went through the process and we checked off all of the uh, all of the needed things and all the uh, all the elements of what that worship service was supposed to be and we you know we we maybe even enjoyed ourselves to a degree and and we got to talk to some people we hadn't seen in a while and and fellowship a little bit but we don't have transformation when we leave from the early morning until the midday the people heard the word of god being read they weren't baptist If we try that early morning to midday thing, can I tell you something? Y'all be voting to me out of here so fast that my head would spin and yours would too. But see, there was a hunger there. There was something in their, in their heart and in their soul that, that longed to hear the Word of God, to, 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 to hear about the God who had restored them and renewed their city and brought them back together, the God who had done all of these things. And as they listened to the accounts of God's rich mercy and grace on the people of Israel, their hearts were drawn toward God. But then they heard the commands of God that told them how they should live and how they should be holy and righteous before God. And their hearts were convicted. And the more Ezra read from God's Word, the more they began to see God as He is and themselves as they were. And once confronted with the truth of the holiness of God and their sinfulness, these people had to make a decision. Every Sunday we do the same thing. I know you think it's just a ritual. It's just something that we do and we have the, the last song of, of our service. We call it a invitation and 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 i know you just think that's just part of the process but you know there's a purpose behind it and that purpose is on that on any given sunday we have been confronted with the truth of god's word through song and through his word we have been presented with truth and, and and that that last song can i tell you what the intention is what the purpose of behind it is we got to decide what we're going to do with what we got now Today you are in this building. You are for here and forever. You are, you, are, you are accountable 
for what has been presented and said in this building. You can't say, I didn't know. Nobody told me. Oh, you might have been scrolling Facebook on your phone when you were told and didn't really hear, but, but you were told. You see, we are now inexcusable. I can never stand before God and say, I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me anything about it. You see, now you and I have a weight of responsibility upon us because the Word of God is here and the Word of God is being presented through song and through sermon. And now you and I have been given the truth and now you and I stand with open hands with the truth before us and we have to decide, what am I going to do with this? I can say, see you next Sunday. Or I can say, oh God, take this truth and transform my life. We have a choice. These people chose to respond in humility and in brokenness. No doubt words ringing in their ears were the words of 2 Chronicles 7.14 that was written and given so many years before where God said, if my people who are called by my name and they looked around at each other and they said, well, I, that's me. Is that you? That's you too? Yeah, that's us. Okay. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Those words ringing in their ears as they hear the truth of God, suddenly their heart is, is convicted of this. He's talking to me. People used to come out by me and say, Preacher, you really, you really told them today. I said, told them? I was talking to you. <laughs> Preacher, you really stepped on my toes today. Well, I'm aiming for your toes. Aiming for the heart. I shot low, I guess. You see, every Sunday when we come together, every time we open this book, whether it's a Sunday or not, at that very moment, it is... God and you and you and God and you are the one that have to respond. We can't push it off on anybody else. And in humility, they shouted, Amen! Well, what does that mean? It's a word of of affirmation that simply means, so be it. As God has said it in His Word, so be it in my life. As God has has prescribed the truth, let that truth be in my life. Amen. Let it be in me. And then in a show of humility and submission, the Bible says that they bowed low and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now here's what we're going to find. Can I go ahead and give you a precursor for next week? Excuse me, not next week, week after next. Revival breaks out in the city. Say, what? Really? Yeah. You know why? They had unity. They had priority of God's Word. And they came before God in humility. And God said, that's all I asked. That's all I asked. I will do what I said I will do. Because I am holy and God brings revival. 
chapter 9 of Nehemiah cannot happen without the events of chapter 8. It cannot happen. It's not that uh, it's less likely to happen. It cannot happen without the events of chapter 8. So what about you? Do you really want spiritual revival in your life? We say we do. I think if we took a a survey of this good-looking group of people in here today, almost unanimously, we'd say, yeah, 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 I want that. I want that spiritual renewal in my life. Do we as a church really want spiritual revival? Remember I said it was... It was, it was a simple solution, but it was a costly solution. Because now, these people in this city who have been confronted by God's Word can never, you hear what I'm saying? They can never go back to being who they once were. Because to do that, they would never receive revival. If you want revival, there's got to be unity. We've got to come together in agreement that we desire for God to move. There's got to be a priority. We've got to make the Word of God our main focus in our personal life, in our church body. We need that humility. We need to see God as holy and sovereign. And we need to see ourselves when we walk in sin and rebellion so that we can repent of our sin. And then God can do what only God can do. And bring renewal. We're going to have our time of invitation now. We talked about it just a moment ago. We're going to, that's what we're going to do right now. Josh is going to come. He's going to lead us in a song. That, that's just, it's an opportunity for us to respond. Some people want to kneel in the altar and pray. Some people want to pray right where they are in the pew. Others, uh, whatever it may be. You, you've got to respond the way God's telling you to respond. But... Can I tell you something? If you're waiting on the person beside of you to respond before you do, they may be the one that keeps you from having revival in your life. They may be waiting on you. (laughs) So today's the day to respond to the truth of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, you told us, and it's so true, your your Word is like a a double-edged sword. We can't hide anything from you, Lord. We can't We can't push anything out of your range of reach. You know more about us than we know about ourselves. And God, today you have called us to be a people who hunger for what only you can give. And that's that spiritual revival, that spiritual renewal. Whether it's as a church, whether it's as an individual, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, you've called us to it today. Give us the courage to respond. Lord, as we stand before you in these next few moments and we start singing these words, help us to understand that now the weight is upon our shoulders, the weight of truth, and that we will be held accountable for how we handle that weight of truth. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger for revival. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
as there are those who are praying in the altar even now, maybe, maybe they need you to join them. Can I pray right where I am? Absolutely. You can pray where you are. But don't miss what happened in that sixth verse. They fell on their faces before God. It's hard to do that privately. I mean, when you're in a public setting and you you lay flat on the ground, can I tell you something? People see you. And there's nothing more telling of our heart than when people see us before God worshiping. They hear our prayers. They see our humility. Can you pray where you are? Absolutely you can. Does it mean the same thing? Absolutely it does. But don't let pride keep you from doing what they did when they bowed on their faces before a holy God. Whether it's in your living room, kitchen, bedroom, wherever it is, there may be a time today you need to put your face to the ground and say, oh God, have mercy upon me. I have failed and I have sinned. And Lord, I need that revival only you can bring into my life. He will honor that prayer. And he'll hear that prayer. Can we sing that last verse one more time before we leave? There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no Tears to dim the eye. All is peace for 
thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. And again, those that are our guests today, thank you for being a part of our service here today. I appreciate that. I felt a breeze in here this morning. Did y'all feel a breeze? Huh? I, I feel a breeze. I felt a breeze this morning, and and and, and that's just in reference. If you if you allow me to, that's just a reference to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended like a mighty rushing wind. Uh, we might not have had a hurricane today, but I think I felt a breeze. That's good. Thank you again for being here. I'm going to invite Josh to go with me to the back door so that uh, you will have an opportunity to speak to him as we leave. Um, let's see. Um, are you okay to go get Brayden? Okay, she'll bring him up to you if that's okay. Thank you, darling. I appreciate you being willing to do that. All right, let's, uh, let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, how good it is to be in your house. And Lord, we thank you for your word that confronts us and your word that keeps us aligned with who you are and what you want for us. Lord, today may it do its perfect work. May those words that you have given to us in Nehemiah be ingrained upon our hearts that, Lord, as we, we walk out of here today, that they will, they, they will marinate on us. They'll, they'll play over and over again in our heart and in our life. We just pray, God, that you'll do a, a mighty work in the days to come. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we sing one more song before y'all leave? Would that be all right with everybody? i like to end the service with this song for two reasons. Number one, I believe that, and the pastor alluded, it, alluded to it earlier today, there is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place this morning. I believe that. And when I look out and I see young and old participating and openly worshiping, Regardless of what song we're doing, whether it's a hymn or a contemporary song, that's unity. And I believe in the power of unity. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab a hand. And there's a verse in this song or a line in this song that says, And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. And when we get to that, I want you to lift those arms together in unity. Let's go out singing sweet, sweet spirit.